Hi friends, this is Christian Kuhn from Urban Village Church. Thanks for tuning back into my podcast as we enter into the month of November. I hope your Halloweens went well and that you are enjoying the fall. Wherever you are, um, we are in the midst of a sermon series here at our church called What's in Jesus' Wallet as we look at um, faith and finances. And so we have been looking at this through parables that Jesus told. And today we are reading from Matthew 25. This is verses 14 through 30, a parable that Jesus told about talents. So here are these words. For it is as if a man going on a journey summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. The one who had received the five talents went off at once and traded with them and made five more talents. In the same way, the one who had the two talents made two more talents. But the one who had received the one talent went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. Then the one who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five more talents, saying, Master, you handed over to me five talents. See, I have made five more talents. His master said, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one with the two talents also came forward, saying, Master, you handed over to me two talents. See, I have made two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Then the one who had received the one talent also came forward, saying, Master, I knew that you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you did not gather scatter seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master replied, You wicked and lazy slave, you knew, did you, that I reap where I did not sow, and gather where I did not scatter? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and on my return I would have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him, and give it to the one with the ten talents. For to all those who have, more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. As for this worthless slave, throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. May God's blessing be on the reading and hearing and living out of this word. So many of you who listen know that I have two kids, one who's 14 and one is 10. And when we moved into Chicago a few years ago, I think a few people were wondering, what are you thinking? This is not typically the way it happens. Usually you move from the city into the suburbs, not from the suburbs into the city. And as they talked about uh, things that might happen, certainly I think... One thing that was on their mind or one question was on their mind was, is this safe? And we ask the same questions that any parents ask. Is this safe? Are we doing the right thing? And I think we forget that part of parenting also means that we have to allow for some chances. And I think it's the question that any parent asks, no matter where they live, whether you live in a very, very safe, quote unquote, safe a part of the world or whether you don't. You are always asking yourself, am I doing all that I can to make my child safe? But part of parenting also means that we have to allow them to take some chances and, yes, risks. 
I was reading an article this week about risk-taking in adolescence. There is a professor of psychiatry at the University of California at San Francisco named Lynn Ponton, and she's an expert in risk-taking in the teenage years. And she says that engaging in some risky behavior for teens is not only normal, but it's necessary. She said it's a tool to define, develop, and consolidate their identity. Healthy risk-taking is a big part of growth. So I think parents can read that and understand that, but then actually doing that is another thing. So as parents, we always are wondering, are we allowing our children to take chances, to take risks? One of the things that we had to make a decision for our kids was, when we live in the city, is letting them ride the train by themselves. And we let our daughter do that a few months ago, and we talked about it. We went over to make sure she knew what stop to get off at and what would happen in case of emergency, all of these different things. Uh, And so we then let go and said, okay, she can ride the train by herself. This is, in a sense, risky behavior. It's a risk that we are wanting her to take. And just today, as I told Caroline that I was going to be telling this story, she gave me uh, that patented teen eye roll and said, Dad, it wasn't that big of a deal. And so for her, it wasn't. For her parents, it was a kind of a big deal. It was a, a risk that we took, and everything went fine. And that's part of the process for her growing up in the city. And as parents, you kind of let go with trust and faith and hope. This word risk is scary. And so sometimes I think we try to create oxymorons to take away that scariness or that threat. We use phrases like calculated risk or risk management, like risk, but we wrap bubble wrap around it. So it's not really that risky. And yet we all have to do this, take risks in different parts of our lives. We take risks in relationships. We take risks at school. We take risks at times at work. And yes, sometimes we take risks with our finances. If we are making a big leap, perhaps, of putting a down payment on a home or a car, or you're making even bigger payments, perhaps, on trying to pay off your student loans, whatever that is, you take certain risks with that. So there's an interesting case here in risk management when it comes to this text. And I hope when we think about risk-taking in all facets of our lives, including how we spend our money, which we can uh, reflect on this passage and really pray about and, and wonder, how is God asking me to take risks in my own life? So here we have this parable. And again, as I've noted in the last couple of weeks, when we talk about parables, a reminder that a parable is not just a, a story that we can sit back and relax and think, oh, that's a good story and think of it as a way to illustrate perhaps a point that Jesus is wanting to make. But instead, to remember that when Jesus tells a parable, he is wanting listeners to engage with it, to lean forward, to wrestle with it, and to see, where do I fall in this story? So here in this parable, we have a landowner, a very generous landowner. He is about ready to go away, and so he gives his servants talents. Now, this is a word that sometimes we may not be able to translate well. We may think about talents as for today, like we have a, a talent to do something. But instead, a talent here means a kind of financial um, reimbursement or a financial monetary unit. So a talent, most scholars believe, was really worth about 15 years of wages. So let me sink, let that sink in for you a, a moment. Think about it again. Now think about what you might make for in a year. Multiply that by 15 
And then you have a sense here of what this landowner is giving to his servants. And then think about some of these servants, multiply that by five. So this is actually a very generous landowner. And he really gives them no instruction. So we have to try to guess perhaps of what's going on here. He's, he's giving away a significant amount of money here. And so I wonder if we can play with the scripture here a little bit. I wonder if these three maybe got together and they talk amongst themselves and they wonder, like, well, what do we do with this? What do we do with this, this financial um, investment that the landowner has made in us. And as they reflect on it, perhaps the first two think, well, you know, the landowner took a huge risk in giving us this uh, investment. Maybe we should do the same. But the third servant, maybe he is pushing back, said, no, no, I think he's a, a harsh man. I don't think he would like it if, if we did that. And as they pray and think about it, and the first two are thinking, really? He's harsh? He's not generous? How Again, he's reminding them, like, hello, he's given us each a lot of financial investment. And not only that, but he just leaves because he trusts us to do this. And so the first two servants, perhaps as they reflect on it and think about it and pray about it, and they realize, like, no, we have to make the same kind of investment, take the same kind of risk that this uh, master, this landowner has made in us. Isn't it so interesting that we all have different perspectives when we think about a certain individual or when we reflect um, on a scenario and you may talk with friends about it and you all have different perspectives on this. A few years ago when I worked uh, in my career before I was a pastor, I worked in nonprofit public relations and I worked, as I've shared with some of you, for my fraternity. And uh, we were hiring not anything uh, not for a position that would be working with me, but instead we would have traveling consultants who would go and visit different chapters around the country. And so I was playing a role in the hiring process. I would interview some of these candidates. And I remember this one candidate came in, and I would ask him kind of that, what are your weaknesses question. And I can't remember how I phrased it, but I may have been just uh, said it in just that way, what are your weaknesses. And I think there's an artful way of answering that but this guy, he had just graduated from college and was very confident in himself. And he, he reflected on a moment when I asked him, well, so what are your weaknesses? What do you need to work on? And he reflected on it. And he gave me this look and he said, I have no weaknesses. And I remember at the time really being put off by that, thinking, really? You're going to answer it that way? And so in my mind, that was a negative. Like this guy, I, I don't know if I could work with him. But my boss, the executive director, as we were talking about this, he had the exact opposite reaction. He said, I love that. I love that this guy is so confident in himself. So we had this very different perspective on this individual and how he answered that question. I thought of him one way. My boss, the executive director, thought of him another way. And I don't know who exactly won, but I don't think we hired him. So maybe I won out or others had the same concerns about him. But whenever we have a perspective on somebody, we have different opinions. And that's what we have here with these three servants. The first two, they reflect and they think about our landowner. This landowner has made a big risk in investing in us. So therefore, we should also try to do what we can to maybe take some risks as well and invest what he has invested in us. But the third had a different perspective, thinking, no, I think he's harsh. 
And clearly, as we see the story play out, the first two servants may have been right. It's an important question to ask, too. Well, what would have happened if they invested this money, took these risks, and they lost money? It's a good question to to ask. But I think perhaps we can say, well, and some scholars, too, we can't know for sure, but perhaps he would have honored the risk that they took. And maybe it's also important to remember who is telling the parable, and this is Jesus. I was reading this week a uh, reflection on this parable by uh, John Buchanan, who used to be pastor of a Fourth Presbyterian Church here in Chicago, a large church in Chicago, and also a writer. And he says this. He said, Jesus told this story in the middle of his own personal risk, high-risk venture. It was during the last few days of his life. Earlier, he had made a decision to leave the safety of rural Galilee and to go to Jerusalem, where the religious authorities would regard him as a threat to the status quo and their own power and prerogatives. And the Romans would surely regard him as a disturber of the peace. So the man who is telling this parable, Jesus, also was a pretty significant risk taker as well. Buchanan further reflects later, saying, we must be careful of not the sin of risk, if you want to call it that, but instead the sin of sloth, meaning not caring, not loving, not rejoicing, not living up to the full potential of humanity. Instead, Buchanan notes that we must be careful about playing it safe, investing nothing, being cautious and prudent, in, rather, in other words, digging a hole and burying money in the ground. And so then we think about us. Now, I'm not saying that we should be careless with all of the things that God has given to us, but I do think that we must watch about being too careful because I think we are called with our time, with our money, with all these things, in a sense, to, to risk, and not just risk for risk's sake, but to risk in order to bring about the kingdom of God, a kingdom that is about risky love, Risky justice-making, risky grace, that's what we are called to risk so that this risky kingdom of God can come about in our world. And so, as we think about for ourselves, how are you risking? How are you risking your time? How are you risking the gifts that have been given to you? How are you risking money to invest in something so that the kingdom of God may come about? A few years ago, a really good friend of mine who is also, uh, he's an artist, he was an actor, uh, and also had started to um, make, uh, be involved in movie making. And he and a friend of his decided that they were going to make this movie, which I, at the time I thought, this is an unbelievably daunting task. I mean, I am overwhelmed when people make really good home movies, but he was going to make a real live movie. And so they had it all set up and he did research and all these things and they're taking the steps. They're going to make this horror movie. And then he, they went to friends and family and they were looking for investors. And so he came to me and asked, would you consider investing in this project? And so I knew that it was that we, the, the minimum amount that you could uh, invest was not insignificant. And so we talked about it and thought about it, but we also knew that we, we thought a lot of and, and trusted in him and thought, all right, let's do it. So we risked, we, we invested some, some money in this project and they made the movie. I even went and watched them film it. And the fact that they made the movie was this unbelievable pro, um, 
accomplishment, I thought. There was this, this horror movie, and it was just kind of astounding to me. And wouldn't it be great if in this story where I said, and then we got our money back tenfold, but that's not the way the story ends. We actually lost most of the money in that investment. But I would do it all over again because I think that investment also helped my relationship with my friend, not that he, I feel like he owes me anything, but just that it was a way for us to say, we believe in you and we believe in the way that you make art. And I think that helped our relationship and I think it helped him to build his confidence so that he can continue to be an artist and to take risks in his own life. And he's still doing this in different ways. How can you take a risk in your own life? This Sunday, we're going to be confirming two individuals, including my daughter, the one that we took a risk and said, okay, you can ride the train by yourself. They are being confirmed. So they are saying, we believe in God. We are confirming the decision that our parents made when they baptized us as infants. And when you are their ages, 14 and 12, I'm not expecting them to have this really rock solid, I believe, X, Y, and Z, and I have no doubts whatsoever. But they're taking a risk of sorts by saying, especially when trends are saying that, that young adults and teens are not believing anymore, for them to say yes to this question, I think is kind of a risk. And people might say, well, of course, they're going to do this because their parents want them to. And there may be some truth to that, but I think also... It's kind of risky for them to say, this is my faith, and I'm going to risk standing up here and and say this in front of all of you. So can we follow their lead in this risk-taking? How can you take a risk in your own life? With what God has given to you, how can you invest your time and your financial resources in a way Not that you're being careless, but instead that you are investing so that the kingdom of God can come about and so that others can know it abundantly. That is my challenge to you this week, to think about that. How can I risk? How can I take what God has given to me and utilize it in a way so that others can know the risks that Jesus took to love us? May you have the courage and the strength to follow in Jesus' footsteps and risk loving and risk grace so that others can know this grace and love as well. Amen. Well, friends, thank you for listening to this podcast. I hope that you know of God's abundant grace and love. As always, you can reach out to me on Twitter at Christian Kuhn or on email chris at urbanvillagechurch.org, and I'm always happy to engage with you uh, in those ways. And so until next week, may the peace of Christ be with you. Be thou my wisdom and thou my